0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. My name is Anthony Giuliano, and my guest is Alex Wolpe. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. It is nice to finally sit across a table from you face to face, because we have been oh. in several, several virtual rooms together. And you reminded me we once met in passing at a restaurant, but you and I were on a trivia team. A few That's years right. Ago? Yeah,
1: it was a fundraiser for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, right at the beginning of COVID.
0: Yeah, I think I was like, it was a great event, and I love trivia, but I think I was really desperate for social interaction. (laughs) When that was going on, I was single, lived by myself, and I was like, I'm not seeing a lot of people, (laughs) so I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to glom on to this trivia team that I don't know these people. I forget how it happened. I think... (laughs) I I just posted something on Facebook, and you responded. Yeah, yeah, so there was that, and then you recently took a class that I teach at Purdue Fort Wayne Social Media Professional Certificate class, so thanks for doing that. That was super fun as it always is. But today we're here to talk about your career path, the organization you work for, some of the work you do as a communication professional. And I want to start with career path because you have an interesting one in that, if I'm correct, it started in the military. So what I'd like to hear about is what you were thinking about when you started thinking about careers. For some people, that's elementary school. For some of us, it still persists into adulthood. Mm -hmm. But what were you thinking about why did you take the path that you took and how did it progress from there?
1: Sure, well, I was born and raised uh, right here in Fort Wayne. So um, didn't really feel like I had a direction coming out of high school. I did not know what I wanted to do. Um, wasn't a great student, so I knew you know, uh, college maybe wasn't the right path for me at that yep. time. Um, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined the infantry, um, did that for five years. Um, and it's funny when you come out of the military, um at that point, I was like, "Okay, it's time for college. I'm gonna use the GI bill. I'm gonna go to college. Um, and I started going in. I was uh, undeclared for my freshman year. Um, being in the infantry in the Marine Corps, you don't come out with a a lot of like, transferable skills Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you know if i was in there working on uh air if i was an airframe mechanic in the marines i could come out and be an airframe mechanic in the civilian world sure um the infantry your options are pretty limited yeah so i i didn't really have a whole lot of direction yeah um so i you know i just started as an undeclared student Mm -hmm. um and i it's funny i just took a communications class Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. was just like intro to Journalism, or you know, something that was just so very was, it, was it an elective. It's just like I have, yeah. I was have just time kinda, I need to fill, just kind of cast in a net, yeah. And seeing what stuck, yeah, and, and what I liked, and turns out I really liked it, okay. Um, and you know, I uh, kind of got attached to a really great professor slash advisor, um, and she really kind of encouraged me and helped guide my um, my thinking as far as like a possible career path. And eventually, I uh, you know, after my freshman year. I started working as a student worker Mm -hmm. in the office of the chancellor Yep, uh, there at IPFW, and um, my title there was communications assistant. Mm -hmm. So, basically what I was doing there was I got to write press releases for the Mm -hmm. university, I got to help organize press conferences, I got to go to donor events, Mm -hmm. Um, I got a behind the scenes kind of look at how the university was run at the executive level, um, and that was really eye-opening for me and a lot of fun. It yeah. was cool talking to people. Sure. Um, I'm just kind of a very social person. Mm-hmm. I like to talk to people and meet new people. That was a great uh, avenue for me to, to do that. Um, so it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed that. So I started thinking about, you know, like public relations, communications, marketing as a possible career path. And I, I kind of decided that that's what I wanted to do. So I tailored, you know, my college path kind of towards that. I actually majored in rhetoric and public advocacy. Okay. That was my actual okay. major. Yeah. Um, with a minor in public relations. Okay. So I, I kind of just wanted to, I like writing. Yeah, uh, I, I have a lot of fun writing. Um, so that just kind of taught me how to use language as a tool, rather sure. than just uh, expressive
0: Medium. Do, do you remember who the professor was who you mentioned yeah. who that was? Do you mind sharing yeah. who that is? Yeah, it is Dr. Michelle Kelsey.
1: Okay. Um, she is now the department chair. All so, right.
0: Yeah, she's still there. Okay. Yeah, I asked that because my whole trajectory changed because of one professor. Somebody mm-hmm. tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're a decent writer. Stop, stop being a goofball. Put more yeah. effort in yeah. and there might be something there. And, you know, now... 40 years later I'm in a profession where that's part of my work.
1: And I actually just bumped into her two nights ago um, walking around West Central but uh, you know in in the years since I've graduated we myself and her and a few other um, graduates who are also in that same um, track the Mm -hmm. rhetoric and public advocacy uh, you know we'll we'll go out and grab some beers together we'll kind of stay in touch and um, she doesn't have to do that. Yeah she does. Yeah. And I think that's really cool and it kind of cements in my mind, the fact that she's kind of went above and beyond, and yeah. really helped me kind of whittle down what I wanted to do for a career.
0: Well, it's you know my limited experience in teaching is that that's the most fulfilling thing. It's it's yeah, you're going to see some progress when people are in your classes, but where it really hits home is when you see them in careers. Yeah, and you hear little snippets about how what you told them 5, 10, 15 years ago is actually useful to them yeah. um, in, later in life. And and that is probably as good for her as it is for you to stay connected.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you're at PFW, you're working at PFW during a time when there's a lot of change at and then IPFW, correct? Yep, yep. So where do you go? What do you do next? And why do you make a shift at that point? Well... Late in my college uh, career, when I was a
1: senior, I got involved, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Shepherd's House, it's I've a of veterans it, charity, yeah. um, kind of helps out veterans who are in dire straits, substance mm-hmm. abuse issues yep. or addiction um gives them a place to live and get back on their feet and uh, you know gives them the treatment that they need great organization great mm-hmm. people that run it um their funding was jeopardized back in this would have been maybe 2016 or 17 mm-hmm. um, their funding which is the majority of it was from the VA um that it got somehow jeopardized i don't remember exactly what the exact situation was but anyway they went into crisis they're like mm-hmm. this is 90% of our operating Jeez. budget
0: yeah. um so uh, you know, by as that need is gra- is yeah. g- getting greater. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, so I don't <laughs> I don't remember exactly how I fell in with this group, but there was a group of local citizens who just got together, and they were like, "We are going to do something about this." We set ourselves up with a goal of raising five hundred thousand dollars as quick as possible. Wow. Um, so we, you know, we started organizing events. We started talking to uh, you know corporate sponsors and and you know local philanthropists and and all of that um and so what that did for me career wise was um while I was still in college it kind of made me feel like maybe nonprofits is what I where I want to go mm-hmm. where I want to focus my my talents and my yeah. Uh, efforts yeah so I got really kind of you know into the whole nonprofit fundraising idea um and then you know before I graduated I was interviewing at the United Way, and Mm -hmm. I ended up getting hired there as a donor relations manager before I graduated. And then, you know,
0: as soon as I was done in college, I started there. Yeah. Okay. All right. So kind of ties into what you're doing today, but let's talk about the bridge between that and where you are now. What are some of the other things you did, and and how did you make those transitions?
1: Well, yeah. So I started working at the United Way, um, and it was great. Great people there. Um, It ended up kind of not being exactly what I thought of, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of turnover in nonprofit development. Oh, sure, just because sure. it's it, it, it's hard. Burnout is a real thing. Yeah, it's very different. Um, and I learned that the hard way. Um, after that, I you know I worked there for maybe about a year. Um, then I got the opportunity, uh, and this still to this day kind of makes me laugh. Um, just by happenstance, I happened to uh, you know get connected with Mayor Tom Henry mm-hmm. and his reelection campaign. Yep um uh my cousin was working with the campaign as like a photographer videographer okay and uh just asked me one day if i wanted to come give him a hand on a video shoot yeah not knowing any details yeah so i went with him (laughs) uh and we shot a you know i get there and there's the mayor and you know his whole team yeah and i'm like oh okay that's that's what this is yeah yeah um And, you know, we, I help him, I'm, you know, help him moving lights and um, setting up microphones and putting things, you know, moving things around. And his campaign manager was like, I I don't know if I overheard him or something. They're like, yeah, we're kind of looking for a communications director. um, Somebody that, you know, could just write press releases, set up press conferences, uh, deal with the media and do all this stuff. And I kind of just like, I don't know where I got like the courage or the (laughs) felt like I had, you know, I had to say something, but I was like, you know what? I, I can do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Major, like, this is my yeah. resume, basically, just right there on the spot. And they're like, mm, okay, let's grab lunch. Yeah. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I get brought onto the campaign. I uh, do that. It was a very successful campaign. Um, I don't know what the threshold is for calling it a landslide, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he won by a pretty healthy yeah. margin. Yeah. Um, so that was great. And then after that, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, the campaign ends. Yeah. That it's a yeah. finite experience. It's a job experience. you know has
0: an expiration date. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I started kind of putting some feelers out. I applied for a job here and job there, blah, blah, blah. I ended up uh, getting hired at Ferguson Advertising mm-hmm. here in town. And that was, uh, I loved working there. That was a great time. Um, I got to do a lot of cool things like with Electric Works. when yep. That was still kind of yep. in its uh, nascent stages. Mm-hmm. Um, just basically all it was was a bunch of artist renderings and, yeah. and a couple news stories. Um, and, you know, Do It Best was also a client. Yeah. So, yep. so it was fun just kind of uh, seeing that whole what would become Electric Works yeah. um, kind of be built from the ground up. Um, and then, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I went to the lighting of the big sign, Mm -hmm. the do it best electric work sign. And it was, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, man, I I remember when this was just all an idea. And here I am standing in this amazing
0: campus and it's an actual thing. I think it's especially meaningful for folks who are Fort Wayne natives. Mm -hmm. I've been here for a while. I've been here for about, you know, close to 25 years now. But to grow up in the city and to see what yeah. Fort Wayne has become, especially, mm-hmm. you know, projects like that, I think is, is a pretty great thing. And to be involved in it is yeah. another facet that's really interesting. Yeah. So, so you're involved at Ferguson, and then where do you go from there, and how does that get you to where you are today?
1: So from Ferguson, I kind of took a, a detour, um, and I started working for a private company uh, in their in-house marketing department. Mm-hmm and it was a midwest shooting center when Mm -hmm. they came into town Mm -hmm. um having you know military experience especially in the infantry where i was very comfortable and familiar with firearms Mm -hmm. and um and all of that uh i thought maybe this will be fun i like shooting guns Um, i like talking about guns i like you know shoot like taking them to the range and seeing what they can do Mm -hmm. um and so i started working there i was the marketing director there uh for a while um, then it just got to the point where I just kind of realized I'm not a great cultural fit here. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in, in that industry, culture is king. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, if you are <laughs> if you align a certain way politically, yeah. uh, it, you may have a harder time than, than a other people.
0: Well, especially today, you know, a lot of us kind of live in the middle, but we get forced to the edges, Mm -hmm. you know, by some of that division, which, you know, you and I could spend another hour talking about just that. (laughs) But I think it's it's great when you notice that Mm -hmm. and you say, hey, this isn't for me. And I'm not going to suffer in silence. I'm going to move on. Yeah. A lot of and people do. A lot of people think this is the only job I'll ever have and they yeah. stay and then they hate it. And you know, I uh, I I liked the people that I was working mm-hmm. with. I won't, you know, talk ill of them. Yeah.
1: Um it just kinda you know, marketing to that mm-hmm. customer base. Yeah. Sure. Um made it a little hard to go into work in the morning. Yeah, and I was sure. like, Oh gosh, I don't wanna I don't wanna do this yeah. anymore. The, the people there were great, but it was after Um, the Uvalde shooting. Mm -hmm. And then like a week later, the Buffalo Mm -hmm. shooting in Mm -hmm. that supermarket. And what happens in that industry after each one of these tragedies is sales spike. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was told, how do we exploit this? How do we, you know, people are going to be, you know, knocking down these doors, trying to buy, you know, AR-15s and and ammunition. And I kind of just Took a step back, and I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I can't can't sleep at night, and I I don't want to do this anymore. So I had to. I had to leave there.
0: Yeah, I think you and I are well aligned there, and you know, I won't go down that rabbit hole too far. But it's a huge problem nationally, and and there's there's room for compromise there, but there doesn't seem to be much of it, unfortunately. And and exploiting it's a whole other thing. So you moved on from there. And you're in the position you're in now. So tell us about the organization you work for and what you're doing, because I was fascinated to learn how old the organization is. Yeah. It's one of the many things I don't know. So tell us about Crossroad, your involvement, and what the organization is all well, about.
1: Well, yeah. So I started working there in July yeah. of 2022. Um, and it's actually funny, because after the mayor's campaign, when I was interviewing mm-hmm. for jobs, I actually interviewed for this exact job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had huh. to, th- and they were offered, they offered me the job. Yeah. I had to turn it down because I had already accepted a position yep. at Ferguson. Yep. So it just so happened three years later, that job is posted again. Yeah. And uh, my mom actually <laughs> sent yeah. it to me. She's That's like, great. didn't you already interview for this? <laughs> it looks like it's back yeah. open again. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, okay. So I uh, just kind of emailed the, chief development officer who I had spoken with you know, a few years prior and said, hey, as it so happens, I'm back on the job market. I'd love to come in and yep. speak with you if you'll have me. Um, long story short, she hired me. I actually got COVID and I had to push back my start oh, date, so that kind of sucked. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started there in, in uh, July. And yeah, so it's Crossroad Child and Family Services. Mm-hmm. It's a nonprofit uh, that helps children and families um, with like mental health needs, um, they have counseling, they have community services where they'll mm-hmm. go out and help families in the home. Yeah. Um, they also do uh, like a, re- they have a residential program as well. Yep. So kids who are going through, you know, like a mental health crisis yep. or, uh, you know, some other emotional behavioral challenges Yeah. Um, who are not succeeding in yeah. the house or in their school.
0: Yeah. Another place um, where the need seems to be going up yeah. dramatically. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then they also have, like, an uh, alternative education mm-hmm. school, Crossroad Academy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that has kids that are coming in from all over the community who are just not succeeding in the classroom yep. because of certain issues, uh, be they emotional, behavioral, sure. or mental. Um, so it's it's just a great community resource that not a lot of people are aware of just because up until maybe 10 or 12 years ago, they did no external Marketing in the community.
0: So was that because the demand was high enough? They really didn't need to. That you know, clients were coming their way, whether they you know tooted their own horn or not. Or mm-hmm. why was that?
1: So uh, the way it works is um, the kids that come there to to be in the residential mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. they're referred by you know people that work for mm-hmm. the Department of Child Services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they can be referred by. Uh, Sometimes they come to us from, like, the juvenile probation office. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was really no need to market services to the community because it's not like you could just come and be like, hey, I'd like to have my son live here.
0: Yeah, sure. So
1: there was really no need to market. So a lot of people didn't even know that Crossroad exists Yeah. Um, up until, you know... uh, a decade or so ago, when they started doing the outpatient counseling, mm-hmm. when they stood up the school, yep, um, and started doing offering community services yep. staff to mm-hmm. go out and help people. Then that's the, you know, those opened up those revenue streams so yeah. they could, they needed uh, some marketing done. So it, we're a little behind the curve still, sure. I feel like, um, especially, like you said, it's very old. Nobody realizes how old we yeah. are. Yeah. We are, this year is our 140th anniversary. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it started in 1883 yeah um, by the German Reformed Church of okay. the United States, huh. which is a Lutheran denomination. Yeah um it started as the uh orphans home the fort wayne orphans home of the german reformed church
0: okay i think was the original name the 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 new name is shorter that's yeah yeah, (laughs) definitely
1: (laughs) um and you know it it started out as an orphanage yeah back in the 1880s you know that uh very this was a very agrarian community Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of people that died in farming accidents Believe it or not, yeah. So there yeah. was there was a need, there was a strong need for uh, orphanages and, and places that could take care of kids that didn't wow. have any other options. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. In in eighteen eighty three, they kind of opened this place up. Um, just had one kind of farmhouse. That was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's still on the same exact property that it was one hundred forty oh, years great. ago. We're still there. That's amazing. We have, we have not moved. We have not you know picked up and. You know, moved over here or anything. We are still uh, right there where we've been the entire time, yeah. and all of the land we it was on 200 acres, uh, and it was a working farm. Well, wow. because um, this was a very agrarian community, these yeah. kids worked the farm. That, that it before... used to
0: be the the rural <laughs> yeah, part. That, of that the was city. sticks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and you know, so it was a working farm, and uh, these kids would work on the farm. Uh, it was before child labor laws, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it did was give them the skill set that uh, at that time in this agrarian community was very valuable oh, and, sure. and in high demand. Yeah. So that set them up for a life where they could be huh. productive, contribute to the community and, and all of that. So um, it really worked out well. And, they, you know, they did that until the 60s, 70s. Oh, wow. It was. Wow. A, yeah. then um the board of directors back then, um, you know, decided that they're going to start parceling off. The land yeah. uh, that was not needed for farmland anymore, because huh. you know the city was expanding sure. into that area, sure. and they kind of saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, so they decided to kind of piece off this land and sell it to you know certain people on the condition. That whoever bought that land would use it for the well being of the community. Oh, okay. So that's why you see Parkview Hospital. Oh, wow. That's why you see the oh, Veterans amazing. Hospital. Yeah. Um, huh. Parkview Behavioral Health. Yeah. Uh, Early Childhood Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a mishmash of other, you know, well, profits and medical it, providers.
0: Isn't it recent that, oh, I'm going to forget the name, they used to be on Lima Road. Moved Byron. There. Yes. Byron Health. That's okay. Yep. So that now. that
1: just happened, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. That land was still crossroad land up until wow. a few years ago. Wow. And now it's uh Byron Health.
0: So yeah. this is one of the reasons I do this podcast is I learn all this <laughs> stuff I didn't know. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's it's really is fascinating. And another yeah. fascinating thing is they kept excellent archives. Yeah. So I mean I you know, we're being the hundred and fortieth anniversary this year, we're, you know, gearing up to do some mm-hmm. cool videos and you know a lot of cool events and stuff like that. Yeah there's there's very extensive archives of you know pictures videos i i found um a, like maybe a dozen film reels 16 millimeter film reels wow i still don't know what's on them because i can't find <laughs> yeah. anybody with a 16 yeah. millimeter projector yeah hard so, to come by.
0: so listeners if you have a 16 yes, millimeter please projector. get in touch with yeah. me yeah
1: um, but I mean, I, I could look at payroll records from the 1890s. That's if I amazing. To, that's everything amazing. is still and that's there. That's gold
0: for someone who's in yeah. your job. Yeah. yeah. So so you're bringing together a lot of different facets. It's like your. Um, interest in the community being a lifelong resident of Fort Wayne, or at least mm-hmm. having grown up here, yeah. you know, your interest in nonprofits, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's been a through line where um, you have a heart for behavioral health and yeah. seems to all come together in this position. So in terms of you got a great story to tell, how are you actually doing that? What are some of the things that you're working on?
1: So like I said, uh, the big thing, um, kind of the thing that I've been kind of aware of and kind of preparing for since I started was the 140th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we really want to put some things together that showcase the longevity of the organization. Because mm-hmm. not a lot of organizations survive 140 yeah, years. For sure. Not a lot of organizations that do survive 140 years survive all in the same exact spot mm-hmm. and uh, have all of these records and oh, photographs yeah. and yeah, media sure. um, to kind of draw from. Mm-hmm. So we really want to uh, kind of share with the community that we've kind of been here the entire time. Yeah. Not kind of, we have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, you might not know the name, but mm-hmm. we, have you know, fill a vital community need Yep, um, doing this for these children and these families. So yeah. uh, that's kind of what we want to share. And, you know, we're going to be doing a lot on social media, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be using a lot of traditional media um and we want to invite people onto the campus mm-hmm. you know we want to the campus <laughs> i think you know cuz i'm looking at all these old pictures all the time there were beautiful like stone and brick buildings wow. with like big tall spires wow. and you know huh. uh it is it is not that now yeah um you know there's still majority of the buildings on campus are 70 80 years old wow um are you know, administration center, welcome center. Um, that was just opened up in 2021. Okay. So that's new. Yep. Um, but yeah, we want to show people, you know, kind of what it is that we do. And you've, you might have driven by, and you might have always wondered, what are those buildings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, you might see the crossroads sign, but that doesn't share our mission or our yeah. vision or values with you. So, yeah. uh, it's kind of exciting to kind of introduce people to crossroad. And now the biggest challenge, of course, um, from a marketing perspective is, uh, you know, HIPAA, Yep, mm-hmm. um, HIPAA kind of the, the HIPAA guidelines, um, and regulations makes it so we can't show the kids. Yeah. Under yeah. any circumstances, mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. privacy of the children that live on campus or that, you know, come for school or yep. counseling or whatever, that is paramount. Mm-hmm. And it will always be paramount. Mm-hmm. It presents a very unique marketing challenge, though, oh, because yeah. we want to sure. share with donors the work that we're doing. Yeah. So how do you share that message without showing what it is that we're actually doing yeah. you know we could talk about it as much as we want but at some point you're going to need some you know visual assets to to share so that's kind of a unique challenge that we face
0: so do you have this question might might be naive it might be ignorant it might be both of those things do you have the opportunity if parents kind of opt in and say my family had a great experience to do testimonials with them to mm-hmm. do video with them is, yep. is all that on the table
1: yeah it is and and i did that actually um just a, a month or so ago, and I'm actually kind of in the process of doing it now with the former resident. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I sat down with them, I kind of interviewed them and yep. wrote a, wrote up a piece mm-hmm. that I put in that, um, what's called the messenger, mm-hmm. which is a uh, kind of an external newsletter that's gone out every month for the past 140 years. Yep. And up until like 1920 or 1930 or so, uh, it was entirely in German.
0: Wow, because <laughs> this—I oh, yeah. you
1: know, don't know if you're aware—but this is a very heavily
0: German. Wasn't it true, community. like the street signs were bilingual uh-huh. up until like yeah. around that same time? Up until about World War One, yeah, everybody spoke German. Yeah, it, yeah. Was just,
1: it was just—it was just—it was a German town. Yeah, it was a German farming town. Okay, interesting. And then you know, World War One happened, and obviously sentiment changed yeah. towards Germany for sure. Um, but. You know, that is what it is.
0: Yeah. So are you planning, and you may have mentioned this, but I've been kind of, my mind has been thinking about this campus and this history, and you're you're kind of taking me places, but are you planning an event for the 140th? And if so, yeah. what does that look like in 2023? Because events have always been a challenge. They're a greater <laughs> challenge now. Yeah. So
1: um again, you know, the biggest thing, and we just had a meeting about this today, as a matter of fact, um, we want to have it on campus mm-hmm. again, but- there's present certain logistical challenges, like I said. The privacy of the yeah. kids must yeah. be maintained at mm-hmm. all costs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so inviting a, a bunch of donors, community leaders, and philanthropists uh, to campus doesn't isn't entirely an attractive I- idea. Yeah. So sure, sure. Um, you know we we do want to put on an event. Um, October seventeenth, precisely, is is the exact birthday. We, you know, we're just kind of right now, just trying to nail down a venue mm-hmm. and kind of talk about how much money we want to spend. Because, yeah. you know, in the nonprofit game, you don't, the options are kind of limited as yeah. far as how much you want to spend. On oh, the sure. Um, so, you know, it's still in development. We're still trying to f- nail down what it is we want to do. Yeah. But uh, we definitely, the, the thing we definitely have to do is just share our message, share our history with the community. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So what does your team look like? You know, at some nonprofits, communication is a department of one. There's others that are fortunate to have, you know, strong teams. Where where do you fit into that? So our uh, I'm
1: part of the development team. Okay. So I work under the chief development officer. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, my colleagues include a resource development director mm-hmm. who is in charge of grants and like in-kind donations and all of that. And then a donor relations director. Uh, Who's the one who's going out and speaking at events and talking to donors and writing letters and, um, you know, doing all that stuff. So and and then there's me, who's just kind of, you know, doing all internal and external marketing, um, writing newsletters, uh, doing social media. I've actually done a lot of graphic design, which Mm -hmm. is not something I'd ever done before. Yep. Um, Are you using Canva for that? Are you? I'm using Canva. I'm. It's trying to get more I'm trying to familiarize myself with like InDesign mm-hmm. and Photoshop just because I feel like that's kind of the next level. Yeah. So I keep trying to challenge myself to to get better at those things because but Canva is just so simple. And well, it's, it's so amazing. Easy and like I've gotten so good at it now that I yeah. can make it look professional. So. It, it's
0: amazing to me that the difference between the two. And I'm I'm speaking quietly because many of the designers I work with hate Canva. But Canva <laughs> is great for sort of that middle ground I you know, because to some extent, learning Canva is like learning a different dialect of English. Yeah, learning the Adobe Suite is like learning, you know, Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. it's just, and I, yeah. I say that as someone it's very who, apt, you know, is wasn't was never a full-time designer, and last design program I used was PageMaker 6.5. <laughs> but it's a it's a skill unto itself, understanding how to use those tools, yeah. and Canva just makes it accessible. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is not an advertisement for Canva. <laughs> if you are listening and you're from Canva and you want to sponsor the podcast, that'd be great. <laughs> Um, but no, so no shame in using Canva when, it, you're it doing, is funny. when you're doing other things, right? Yeah, it is funny that Adobe
1: has kind of picked up on the fact that yeah. people like Canva, so they came out with Photoshop Express. Yeah. And, you know, now I have that app. I have the Photoshop Express app on my phone, and it's they kind of, you know, simplified and streamlined a yeah. lot of things to kind of make it, if you can do Canva, you can use Photoshop Express. Yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, I just thought that was kind of funny. They, they saw yeah. a... Uh, Somebody yeah. kind of encroaching on yeah. their territory, and then they responded with product of their own. Yeah, the product should have been called, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hope we're not too far behind.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's kind of like sales and marketing then. You've got the development team and the communication yep. team working together. Yep. The development team hopefully retaining donor interest generating new donor interest and you sparking some of that by telling the story, trying to reach new people, get them in the proverbial funnel.
1: It's my job to sell the mission.
0: Yeah. Basically. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like you have a great story to tell. So that's good. That makes it a little bit easier. (laughs) Um, Let's pivot to the quick hit part of the podcast. And I always disclaim that this does not have to be the quick hit part of the podcast. Sometimes this portion takes longer than the first portion, which is totally fine. We are not under time constraints. But tell me about, as someone who's worked in multiple fields, who's done things that you've really loved um, and still moved on to new things, done things that maybe weren't the best fit, what's your best career advice? What's the one thing you've learned that you think other people should know about?
1: My career advice, I think, would just be find a mentor.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think people place enough value on having a mentor. Mm -hmm. um, And it doesn't need to be someone that you work with. It doesn't need to, doesn't really even need to be someone that's in your field. Mm -hmm. Just someone who's experienced, um, knows how to navigate certain, you know, whether it's a bureaucracy or whether it's just like the professional office setting or something like that. Like I, uh, I had a, you know, somebody I would consider a mentor, uh, his name was Chris. He um, was the CEO of the local, well, the Greater Fort Wayne YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. Uh, he, I met him while I was in college, actually, mm-hmm. and I kind of realized the the depth and breadth of his knowledge in the nonprofit game. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of latched onto him. I was just asking him all, so many questions and he would tell me so many stories and he helped me prepare for my interview at the united way yeah. and he helped mm-hmm. you know he kind of told me what they're probably going to be looking for yep. and you know since i'm going to be doing fundraising and stuff yeah. this is the kind of the buzzwords to use in yep. the interview you know stuff like that yeah and um, just an unbelievable help yeah uh he didn't have to do that yeah yeah um but it was just it was so great having somebody who uh you know was kind of looking after me for mm-hmm. no other reason than they felt like I needed it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, there's another through line I'm hearing in your experience. Um, you know, when, when I'm working with college students, I always say good things come to those who ask. And yep. it's like with your position at, in the mayor's campaign, it's like you raised your hand and said, hey, what about yep. me? A lot of people might not do that. You yep. mentioned it took some courage to do that. With this, it's, you know, asking for the help yep. and tapping into the knowledge that other people have. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you really want to advance your
1: career, being humble and, you know, shy will get you absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. take you backwards, For probably. sure. But like, for sure. sometimes you just got to raise your hand. And sometimes you just got to walk up to the person and introduce yourself and have a strong handshake and look them in the eyes and, you know, stuff like that. And it it just, it'll take you farther than you think.
0: Yeah. Well, and and another thing I'm hearing in your experience, so you mentioned, you know, the mentor who helped you with nonprofit, you mentioned the instructor at PFW who helped you along your way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's have mentors, have this, you know, sort of kitchen table cabinet of people you can yeah. go to for different things. Um, even at 53, there's still people I'm really reliant on, to Like because there's a lot I don't know, as I mentioned. So those folks who have been there, who have done that, who I can tap into, and instead of starting from complete ground zero, I right. can say, hey, help me at least accelerate where I'm going from here. Yeah. All right, second question, and you may have already answered this, but when it comes to a myth or misconception, about the organization you work for or the work that you do or something that's not appreciated enough? What's something you either want to debunk or amplify?
1: Well, I, I think you'll definitely agree with me on this. Is uh, Everybody thinks it's easy to run social media pages. <laughs> yeah. And it is easy if you put next to no effort into yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And you treat it like your own personal page. Mm-hmm. You're just like, well, when I feel like posting, I'll post. Mm-hmm. And if I have a picture to share, I'll share it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you really want to take it seriously, if you really want to see some outcomes from your social media page, um, you have to treat it like a science. You have mm-hmm. to treat it like a tool uh, rather than, you know, just some fun thing you do in your free time. So um. You know, I tell people what I do for a living. I run, you know, the social media for this organization, and blah blah blah. And I've run social media for pretty much everywhere that I've worked. And they're like, "Oh, that's I, I think I could do that. I have a yeah. Facebook page. Or I have a, I'm on Instagram. I'm all the time. wildly could, successful I could, I could, on yeah.
0: Instagram. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have like a,
1: a fifteen hundred <laughs> followers. I could do it. Yeah, I would nail it. Uh, and just trying to explain to them, like, no, it's like there are there's a science to it. Yeah, and there are it is a tool. There are right ways to use it and there are wrong ways to use it. Yeah. Um, and people just, I don't think people realize that. Yeah. So I, that's what I would want to get across.
0: Yeah. Well, it's as different, you know, the, the difference between being on social media personally and being the, the brand voice for an organization, especially one that does serious work like your organization, is the difference between watching a football game on TV and being a linebacker in the NFL. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, it, it hurts. There are days yeah. when it doesn't feel all that good. Armchair quarterbacks exist in every, yeah. <laughs> every Ab- industry, Absolutely. every job. Absolutely. All right. Well, that may be a good lead into the third question I wanted to ask the third quick hit question, although you can take it in a completely different direction, but what is one tool or a trick or a tip or a hack or something you use in your work? that makes life easier for you, and it doesn't have to be a technology tool, it doesn't have to be a social media tool, but something that you think deserves a shout-out? Um,
1: and we've already mm, talked about Canva. Yeah, Canva's, <laughs> Canva's great. Yeah. Uh, I will also say for writing, um, I don't know if I could survive without Grammarly. Yeah,
0: Grammarly's uh, great.
1: Love, love, love Grammarly. Um, and I, God, really, <laughs> I... So, at crossroad, um, we have a subscription to the Adobe Creative Cloud, mm-hmm. which I'd never had before. But yeah. that gives me access to Photoshop, yep. Lightroom, Premiere, mm-hmm. all, all the Adobe suite. Yep, um, and that is a fantastic help. Okay. Like it's so nice having all of those programs to me, like available to me. Um, and yeah, no, just that, like having access to like their library of stock images yeah and videos and and audio and and all of that stuff is great too it makes me or it helps me uh you know create some really high quality you know images for social media or for you know marketing purposes whatever it is um just having that tool available to me having that you know vast library available to me is fantastic.
0: Well, especially in a role like yours, where social media is a hungry animal, you got to always feed it. And, you know, there's things that are going to be high production values, you're going to spend a lot of time on it. And then there's the stuff you need to turn out every day. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, we're we're going to do our best with this but I have about an hour Mm -hmm. and I need to make it as efficient as possible and draw from as many existing resources as possible I think that's where those tools really really help
1: oh yeah Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Alex, it has been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better and having you on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Congrats on all the good things you're doing and congrats to Crossroads on 140 years. Who knew? (laughs) Thanks, Anthony. It was great being here. Well, now you all know that Crossroads has been around for 140 years. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next time with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then.